0: in the name of Christ and welcome to Concord Matters, a show that seeks to be united in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of ironic, right? As Christians, to be united in him. We're reminded of this in Romans chapter 15 from the Apostle Paul when he says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together we may with one voice glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek this harmony by the Holy Spirit, of course, by studying the clear and concise teachings confessed in the book of Concord, because we do believe that they are in accord with God's holy word. So when we confess the book of Concord, we're also confessing his holy word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. We continue our study by going back to the basics to keep it simple in Luther's small catechism on the Lord's Prayer. And today it's the third petition, Thy Will Be Done. This one I'm really excited about because throughout my time in ministry and and my time growing up in the faith, there were many faithful Christians who would use this line. They would say, thy will be done. And often they would say it during times of trial. And that always has stuck with me because it's so important that we obviously look to God in those times. But also, what does it mean? Because when we talk about God's will, it can cause great confusion. But also, which is our goal today, can bring great comfort as we know what we have in Christ. So dust, dust off that blue or maroon little book. Uh, and let's start confessing. Excuse me, I'm all over myself today. If you have any questions concerning our study on the small catechism, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Joining us in the confession of Christ, we welcome Pastor Timothy Winterstein of Faith Lutheran Church in East Wenatchee, Washington. Pastor Winterstein, welcome to Concord Matters. Thanks for having me. Pastor, I kind of I kind of wish this. I wish that it would have been West Wenatchee, Washington, because then it would have been Pastor Winterstein of West Wenatchee, Washington, just to have more W's. Yeah. Anyways, how were you today? And tell us about yourself. I'm good, thanks. Um, I uh, I've been a pastor just over
1: 15 years, and I've been in East Wenatchee. Um, not well. Uh, let's see. This last week, I, it would have been nine years here, and. That's right. Uh, Yeah. I'm married uh, to Tanil, and we have four children, uh, three teenagers. So that's always fun. That's fun. That's fun. (laughs) Uh, Always interesting. Um, But uh, yeah, so we're uh, it's finally the smoke is cleared here and uh, we got sunny weather.
0: I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. And and as we as we look at this, it's it's something where Pastor Winterside and I, we started in Minnesota North, uh, not together. You were here before me, but we both started as circuit visitors together, which would have been over 10 years ago if you're doing the math right. Um, so it's, it's just been a, a real joy to, to see you. Uh, doing what you do, but also there's something that you've been up to. Is it saints and cinema? Something, to, I don't want to say side hustle, but something you've <laughs> no, been there's doing no to hustling. engage. There's no, <laughs> there's no hustling at all. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? Cause I think that's fascinating. Sure. Uh, my brother and I, um, we both,
1: he, he, you know, probably twice as long, at least uh, we've been um, programmers for the Newport beach film festival. Um, and a couple years ago, maybe th- Two and a half years ago, we we thought, you know, he he has a background in film. He went to uh, college for film and media, and uh, I'm a pastor. So, what if we did uh, some sort of podcast about related to we we don't we often I don't know how often we do both in the same podcast, but sometimes we'll talk theology and Christianity. Other times we'll talk movies. Sometimes we talk uh, both of them together, and uh, mostly centered around movies that we've seen or liked or want to talk about. And, uh, so that's basically what it
0: is. Yeah. I love it. So basically, um, and I, and I'm really jazzed about that too, because I love movies. And so to analyze movies and then to reflect it in how do how do we look at this as Christians Mm -hmm. and how do we uh, relate to it with, with scripture and everything else? And, and it is a really important thing because, well, majority of people at least watch movies. And so what does this mean for the Christian and what should we not watch? What should we watch? What should we not do? And and often we kind of just side on, well, you shouldn't watch movies they're evil. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> and how do we look at that yeah. is so important, especially as we look at the small catechism and how do we confess in our daily walk? Any, any thoughts on that and that tension we have lived in as the church movies? And do we watch them? Do we not? Et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel it in myself actually, because... I think of movies sometimes, sometimes I'm like these, this is just entertainment. What is it? Why, why would I really put any time or care or energy into thinking about it at all? And yet there are so many films that have moved me in kind of profound ways to reflect on things, uh, that it's, it's impossible for me to only view it as the, on the entertainment side. Um, so it's a, I feel the tension in myself as well. Is this, is this just entertainment or is there something more going on or maybe they can do both? Um, yeah, it's, it's, I go back and forth sometimes.
0: Well, I'm glad you have that tension. So I'd encourage our listeners to check out that podcast. Is it saints and cinema saints and is the website. All our episodes are there and, and oh, good. Facebook and Twitter and yeah, you can find us. Very good. Well, we're here to study the Small Catechism, and I think it's important for us too that what's real joy of beginning in the Small Catechism is its simplicity, but the reality is the faith is, is relatively simple. It's messy, but it is relatively simple, and today we are on the third petition. Reminder to our listeners, we are studying from Luther's Small Catechism with explanation from Concordia Publishing House, specifically the version that was printed in 2017. And we are starting on page 20 of Luther's Small Catechism. Now, we've gotten through the first few petitions as we look at prayer. And today we get to those words, thy will be done. And what does that mean for us? So let's start confessing as we hear of the third petition. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. Pastor, I think the big question, as I mentioned in the introduction, is what is the will of God? Because that, <laughs> if we don't have that in the right direction, then the rest will go uh, astray for sure. So, Pastor, if someone came to you and said, what is the will of God, what would you say? Uh,
1: well, I think, I mean, th- how can the will, how can we pray for the will of God to be done if we don't know what it is? Um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's answered. I think, I think Luther answers it in the, in the end of the explanation when he says, uh, when God strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is his good and gracious will. And so Mm. the, that, that seems to be the thing. What does God want for us? He wants us to be with Christ in the faith by his word, by the power of his Holy spirit. Uh, throughout our life so that we're with him forever. And, uh, and so that that's the will of God. And, you know, we get, we get caught up a lot of times in, well, it is this change of job or is this what, what college should I go to or, or, uh, should I marry this person? Is this the will of God? Um, and unless there's something sinful, uh, unless you're burying your talent, let's say, like Jesus says in a different parable, hmm, then mm-hmm. then you you, as long as those things are are kind of open, you you could have two jobs and both of them you could be carrying out your vocation and you're still within the will of God because you're still in the faith uh, by His word. I think sometimes we, uh, you know, you you mentioned something earlier about about uh, the uncertainty of what is God's will and and kind of. Mm. trying to figure that out and is this God's will or is that God's will but the the point of God's word is that we would have certainty in Christ and so anything that kind of introduces uncertainty into i mean we are always going to be uncertain because uh, you know our our reason and our senses are obscured by sin etc but God's word is it, it he, he wants us to have a certainty in him uh faith trust in him and so he keeps it strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. That's God's will. And other there's a lot of there's a lot of room within that in terms of our lives. Um, so.
0: It's pretty fascinating to me because I, what you just said is is sums up is summed up, I believe, in First Timothy, chapter two, when it says that he desires all men, all men, people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that often we think of that as an evangelistic, you know, uh, reality. Okay. All right. He wants all to be saved. So we got to get out there and go. Now I'm not saying don't go out there and evangelize. I'm not saying that, but let's just bring that back to ourselves, which is why I love. He brought us back once again to the small catechism, which is on how is God's will done. It doesn't just tell us how his will is done, but it tells us what it is that he keeps us, in his word and faith until we die, which right there, it fills me full of comfort because it it, it takes the onus off me. Um, obviously, we have to uh, be in his word, but it says when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. And that is a part of God's will that he's doing the work, you know, bringing us into the faith. We went through this in the second article of the creed that it always begins with him. Pastor, any thoughts on that, especially in our world today, and as we often think about what what is God's will, and then I have to find it, as opposed to God's will is what well, something that He has done and continues to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the in the in the large catechism I was reading a little bit, and and uh, Luther makes the point that um, this is kind of a summing up of the the first two petitions that God's name be holy among us, and that His kingdom come among us. Uh, and remain among us. And that the devil is trying to stop that from happening. Um, he, he doesn't want God's name to be holy, which means he wants um, false teaching and he wants uh, unholy lives. And he doesn't want God's kingdom to come because that means people believing Christ and his word. So the devil is constantly trying to oppose that and disrupt that and take us away from that. And so uh, Luther seems to view the third petition as, um, the way that God works against the devil. So, I mean, the Lord's prayer is really, a, a we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. I don't, it doesn't often get mentioned in this context, but every, every word of the Lord's prayer is prayed against the devil. Um, and the devil uses the world and our flesh to try and, uh, uh, disrupt God's, holy name and his kingdom coming. And that's why I think, you know, when God's will is done, when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, because they do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. Um, and, and the, what happens in heaven with the angels uh, and God's uh, where God's name is, is perfectly holy uh, among uh, those who are with him and his kingdom is perfectly present because he's there fully. Um, there's no sin to interfere. Um, God, uh, wants and is going to, because not the devil and not us can stop God's will from happening where Mm. what is in heaven will be on earth. Um, the new creation, the resurrection mean the fulfillment of that prayer, uh, that it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, the devil wants to stop that. And so God is the one who is constantly acting against that, because if not, we would not be able to stand. And that's kind of the point about the certainty I think that you're raising, is that mm-hmm. is that we would, if we were left to ourselves, there's no way we could stand against the devil and the world and our own sinful flesh. But God intervenes uh, by means of Christ and does his will. And that's why uh, in Matthew's gospel uh, – in the prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples in Luke, it's not, it's not there. Um, But in Matthew's gospel in chapter six, when Jesus teaches them to pray, uh, he says, uh, your, let your will be. Um, That's how we should pray. And Jesus prays those exact same words in chapter 26 in the garden of Gethsemane. He said it's, it's word for word, at least as the Greek Mm. is put there. Uh, Let, let your will be. So Jesus himself praise these words and it is God's will is done and therefore for us who are in Christ God's will must be done. there's no there's no um, there's no room there or no um, place with Christ where God's will is not done.
0: And this brings me to, that is, first of all, thank you for that insight in the Gospel of Matthew, that this is exactly what Jesus prays, um, which is a great reminder for all of us. It's not only a prayer that he hands over, but a prayer that he prays himself. You know, he literally lifts us up to his level and gives us his prayer. And it, speak, it says so well that, that that the, so that what does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. We do have a tendency to act as if, if I don't do this, this, and this, and this, then God will not be able to fulfill his will. We, 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 we act this way. We, we live this way. But also right there, the prayer is, but may it be done among us also. Mm-hmm. It's a it's kind of a, he does this throughout the rest of these petitions, almost almost all, not all of them, but many of them. It's kind of this weird language of, um, well, obviously we can't do anything about God's will, um, but yet we pray it is done among us also. What is Luther emphasizing in those words?
1: I think I think one it's the again it's certainty um, that uh, there is nothing in heaven or earth or under the earth that can stop God's will from being done. We we don't not our sin not the devil. Uh, this is not an this is not a an equal contest in terms of you know equal um, uh, combatants. This is God's going to have mm. His will done, uh, and even our sin takes its place in that because God takes that and wraps it up in Christ. And I mean, the the entire story of the old Testament is the story of God uh, not being thwarted by sinners. Um, You, you you have people throughout the entire old Testament who, I mean, Abraham, uh, how many times does he try to make it happen? make the promise happen his own way or Sarah or, um, I mean, the whole book of Judges is everybody doing whatever they want because there's no king in mm-hmm. Israel, um, and yet you can't stop. None of that stops God from carrying out His will and bringing it His will to fruition in Jesus Christ. Um, and so, it's a it's an emphasis on that part of it that that n- nothing can stop God from carrying out His gracious will for His creation. At the same time, so- sinners by their own wills sometimes exclude themselves from God's will. And so the, the prayer is a prayer, uh, sorry about my phone, um, (laughs) a prayer against (laughs) our own sinful flesh and the devil, um, and, uh, the world, uh, battling against that. So that, so that, sorry, I think that's the last time. So that, uh, we would, um, uh, we would not be caught up in our own will, but we would be caught up in God's will. So there's a, there's a twofold thing there. One is kind of a universal thing that God is going to do this, whether we pray for it or not. Um, and uh, that sounds sort of negative, but I think it's a, it's a positive sense of, of that means that, that God's gracious will is going to be done for his creation. And at the same time, there's a prayer that we would be within that, that it would come to us, that it would be done for us and to us. So just like, I think it's in the similar way that the, when we confess the creed, uh, we're not confessing these general facts or truths about what God has done. We're confessing that this is for me, that I, I believe this, that this is, that this is a work that God has done, not just in general, which of course he has, but also individually for me, I believe this because it's, Jesus is now my Lord. Uh, Jesus has suffered and died for me. He's purchased me. He's want, He's redeemed me. Uh, the Holy Spirit has given me faith. It's always always the language of of not only the whole story but of my story or of bringing me into God's story. And uh, so I think that the the Lord's Prayer works in a similar way, where we are praying this in Christ for ourselves um, and recognizing that God's will cannot be. Uh, thwarted by sinners. Thank thank God.
0: <laughs> right. And it brings us back to who we are in relation to God, but then also gives us that great comfort of not only are we totally submitting to him, we are dependent upon him for all things, and especially our salvation and forgiveness, but that he in his gracious will has decided to bring this these goods from heaven, we would argue, to us, that he has not kept them for himself and say, by the way, I got some good stuff hiding in the back room. Um, I actually want this will to be done among you, which is salvation, which I can't help but connect us to worship and his word and the sacraments as I hear this. Because when it says, may it be done among us also, one of the comforts and assurances is. Well, God's will is done when I go and receive the Lord's Supper. God's will is done when I hear the Word of God. When I'm forgiven of my sins, my will is done in in, in those in that setting. If we ever wonder, I wonder what God's will is. Well, for Pete's sake, you're sitting in church; it's happening right there. Any to me that, that that's just, I, I like your I love your insight because it just pointed me right back to that assurance. Any other thoughts you have on that?
1: Well, I think uh, in so in terms of our daily lives. Um, I shouldn't remember who, who said this because I want to give credit where credit is due. I didn't, I I didn't come up with this, but, um, that, that, that what many people think is in the morning when they get up, I wonder what God's will is for me today. I wonder what, Mm. I wonder what there is for me to do, what it, what's going to happen. Whereas from our perspective, when we get to the end of the day, we say that that's what God's will was, um, who's the, who is the person right in front of me that I have a responsibility to serve, which, whom God has given to me? I mean, my family, my congregation, uh, whoever it is, there's someone right in front of me. So in, in that sense too, we don't really have to wonder about it. Who's there? Who needs what you have? Who, uh, whom has God given you uh, to serve today? That's, That's God's will because, because he's, I mean, he organizes it all so that in every place, his people, he serves people through other people and not even through, not even only through his people, but through unbelievers as well. God carries out his will of, of serving people, of providing for them. Um, And uh, so it's a, even in our daily lives, what are we to do um, when we ask that? Well, who's there? Wh- whom has God given you to serve? And uh, there you have it. You whatever your hand finds to do, do it with joy.
0: And that's why, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to put this together. But as as a father, as you're a father, and for our listeners who are parents, um, even those who are you know are ones that are serving um, children or others like parents, that you don't have to look too far each and every day to say, how can I serve my neighbor? Hmm. <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> How can I fulfill God's will right there? And my goodness, that's that's enough, um, and it's a joy. And it, but it, it can be trying. Um, let alone our own kids. We should pray that their the will God's will may be done among them to follow the fourth commandment. You know, and for our for our wives and for our for you as husbands to to follow what the Lord has given us in his will. And so it's really gets down to bare bones almost every single day as far as how we see it and what the reality is, that thy will be done begins with salvation and then it flows into our daily walk of, of if you need a reminder of what God's will is, well, just kind of open your eyes is is a pretty easy way to look at it. Any other thoughts on that?
1: Because we're always looking. our, our, Our flesh wants... To do great and glorious works. Um, and we want the will of God to be sort of glamorous, I think, in some ways, that we're always looking beyond the day to day tedium, as our flesh would view it, as not, that's not holy. That's just, that's just mundane, you know, stuff that we have to do. But we're, let's look for, you know, really glorious works to do. And then, then we'll be doing the will of God. Uh, we're always kind of looking beyond that. But the fact is, it's exactly in those you know day to day duties that we're carrying out the will of God because God gave those people to us God God gives husbands and wives to each other God gives children to mothers and fathers uh God gives puts people in congregations God puts people in particular communities and so th- there that that's as glorious as it gets uh God doesn't mm. he he I mean, look at the things Jesus does. Most of the time, people, it, it goes unnoticed other than it's recorded for us in the scriptures. Uh, he just, he goes about doing, you know, healing uh, people, casting out demons and preaching God's word, which, I mean, so there's three years maybe that that Jesus does this. But if we were around and it just kind of went on, we'd be like, okay, I've seen that, done that. It's It's been you know already that's already been done let's move on to something else but i don't think uh let's say jesus ministry went on for 10 years he would continue to do the same things all leading up to his the will of god which is his uh which is also his will as the son of his death and resurrection for us and so um in a similar way uh to pray god's will be done it's not something we really have to, as you said not something we really have to go looking very hard for right there.
0: And this is where there's a certain amount of prayer that goes into this. And I want to talk about about this on the other side of our break is, okay, thy will be done. And I think there's a way we can, I know there's a way we can specifically pray that his will would be done among us also. And maybe this is something we need to pray in the morning, and in the evening, ironically, what does the Luther give us? A morning and evening prayer. So I want to talk more about that on the other side of our break. Um, we are studying the third, third petition of the Lord's Prayer, and we'll be right back. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at KFUO.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back. We are studying the third petition of the Lord's Prayer in Luther's Small Catechism with Pastor Timothy Winterstein of Faith Lutheran Church in East Menachie, Washington. Uh, Pastor, we just got done speaking about um, really the gift of uh, God's will being right in front of us. But also as I look at this throughout the, the petitions, there's often that Luther almost stops and prays in the middle of it. He doesn't necessarily do that in this one. But it is something where how can we pray that the Lord's will be done um, in our lives? Not just saying those words, but is there other examples? Um, I'm thinking specifically of, of, of the morning and evening prayers that we have, page 30 and 31 of the small catechism, where it literally says, um, I pray that you would forgive me all my sins because that's God's will that we would be forgiven, Right. Um, or that you would keep us this day from sin and every evil, which we'll get into and in how is God's will done. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Of of we know what's right in front of us, but he invites us to pray. How should we pray that his will be done in our day um, among us also?
1: Yeah, and I think I mean I think there's there's maybe two main there's probably more than this, but it seems like there might be two main things. One is if we know what God's will is, that is, that he wants to hinder. And break every will of the devil, the world, and our flesh. Um, I mean, what's the will of the devil? To tear us from Christ. I think that's uh, the devil doesn't like care about us. It's not like he's trying to get us or something. He he simply wants to to remove us from Christ and uh, from trusting Christ, from from uh, believing Christ. And so, if that's the will of the devil, and God's will is to break and hinder that, uh, that's one specific thing to to pray against because. How many dangers are there where we take Christ for granted? We uh, we forget to thank him. We assume that we're doing this all on our own. Um, we, well, okay, now I've been saved and now I don't really need to can kind of continue on. Um, things like that. How often do we pray? I mean, are we, are we really sort of entrusting our whole lives, praying continually? Um, and so all of those things, uh, to pray specifically for strength and for, to guard us in those things. So we're not drawn away from Christ. Uh, Luther speaks of this petition as kind of the, the guardian, uh, the defender Mm. of the other petitions. So when we pray this, we're praying that God would guard us, um, from the will of the devil and our own sinful will, uh, our will corrupted by sin. Um, and uh and then and then I think another another part of it is that um, we see um, I was reading there, there's a little it's a pretty small book by Martin Chemnitz which is you know that's a a, a um, an accomplishment Chemnitz has a way of uh, writing out uh, everything um, to the very extent of it that the very end of those but it's a it's a thin book ca- called the Lord's Prayer where he goes through the petitions and and one of the things he talks about in there is God's uh, causative or permitting will. That is, the things that we see happening in the world, um, God is, in some sense, behind all of it. Uh, there's nothing that happens outside of what God causes or permits. And this is maybe the most difficult thing for us, because bad things happen. At least things that you know we, we don't see as containing any sort of you know, tragedy or grief or, or sorrow or sickness. Um, and to here's a particular prayer to pray, um, uh, in the midst of our, um, he says, we don't approve of this will of God in our reason, but rather we complain about it through impatience, murmuring, and resistance. And so, mm. so he's, he ex- specifically instru- instructs us, Chemnitz, this is, uh, to pray for patience, uh, to to pray that we would strive against impatience and not judge maliciously those things that happen to us by the will and permission of God to to pray with psalm 135 the lord does whatever he pleases whatever pleases him and that in some sense the things that we see are as bad or wrong are that that's that's coming from our sinful flesh which does not want to submit to god's will and that you know we we they may not seem to us um, good or right, but God is working all things in ways that we can't see. And that's the other part of God's will is, is that uh, outside of his revealed will, what he has specifically said to us, we often don't have answers for those sorts of things. We, why, why does God uh, install this government or that government? Why does he allow things in the world to go this way or that way, or these things to happen? We, he doesn't answer those questions for us. And so, really that's where our silence should come in uh, and let, let God be God and, and not try to be God. Uh, and so to pray for patience and uh, the, the ability to at least, he said, this is, he says submit or at least endeavor to submit our will to the will of God. <laughs> I, I, so Kevin is, is not, uh, you know, idealistic about the way that, that we uh, do things. So, uh, you know, that's a con, that's an ongoing thing when, when things happen, why is this happening? Why, why is God, uh, why does this seem to be going on so long? Or why is it one bad thing after another or, or whatever? Um, that that's an opportunity for prayer, um, that exercise our faith in God. Um, so,
0: yeah. And that's a good reminder for us because, how do we know the will of God? Well, His Word, <laughs> and, and his, his Word has reminded us that His will is that people would be saved. But also, as he, as Chemnitz speaks about patience, we think of other. You know, uh, sometimes it feels like breadcrumbs where He reminds us of how we are to uh, to live. You have the Ten Commandments. I think it lines up with Martin Chemnitz is the fruit of the Spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. That yes, this is a fruit that the Lord gives to us, but also something we can pray for. Um, because it's a gift that He has said that He will give. So, Lord, may be done among us also. Now, Pastor, I want to do this because we've been we've been kind of saying it without actually reading it so far, but we're 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 already knee deep into it. So let's read the rest of the third petition. Especially as Pastor, you said so well, that there's a lot of things we just don't understand, God's will, like why was this person elected? Why did this tragedy happen? And Luther does not allow us in the small catechism to try to do a guessing game. He points us to what we do know and assurance and confidence that we have in him. So here's the rest of the third petition. How was God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die, this is his good and gracious will. So, Pastor, break this down for us. How was God's will done on this on, on earth as it is in heaven? Yeah. So,
1: you know, I think of uh, the revelation where uh, woe to the earth because the devil has come down in great wrath. Um, so been cast out of heaven. There's no there's no more room. Uh, for the accuser of the brothers in heaven. And yet, in God, I mean, within God's will, uh, the devil has come down to earth and is uh, trying to consume uh, as many of God's children as possible. And so this is a prayer uh, against the devil in that case. And as the, Reve- I mean, the revelation is really about comfort. So God, I mean, what does God do? God opens up the earth to swallow this sort of symbolic great river that the devil is by which he's trying to uh, um, consume the church. God is the one who actually protects um, the church from the devil. But so we're, what we're doing is, is as with, I think all Christian prayer, we're praying for God's promises to happen. Um, I think only, only true, the, the true prayer is to pray it in faith. Faith can only uh, be exercised if there's a promise to which it's attached. Uh, and so otherwise it's uncertain. And so every prayer that Christians pray uh, is attached to a promise of God. When we pray for healing, uh, that's attached to the promise of the resurrection in which there is full healing. When we pray for an end to warfare, or bloodshed, or violence, or any of those sorts of things, we're praying for the... Last day when all of the swords will be turned into plowshares and and all of the chariots will be burned with fire. There's there's not all of these prayers are attached to a promise. Uh, some of it, some of which we get hints now. I mean, the fact that our bodies heal on their own that's a that's a hint of the resurrection. Um, the fact that uh, wars end it's a hint of that last day. Uh, and yet they still go on. The devil is still active. the 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 world. In the sense of uh, unbelief, uh, still around us, our sinful nature is still within us. Even though we have a, a final word about its end, uh, so we still struggle. We still daily do the things we uh, we don't want to do, and don't do the things we want to do. And so, the the prayer is is really it's warfare. It's warfare against the devil and against uh, against his will um, in the power of God, though. And and that's, you know, it's not just us trying to come up with the right passages to speak against the devil. We already know that Jesus, Jesus himself uh, has been led into temptation and has been delivered from evil. Uh, And and so in Christ, we're praying prayers that have the assurance of an answer, assurance of a of a fulfillment. And so there that's where our confidence comes from. So we can pray boldly. Uh, if we don't know what the answer is, you can't really play, pray boldly unless you make up stuff, uh which is a bad mm-hmm. idea when it comes to prayer. Um you know, in terms of, you know, I I uh give me give me success in my job and give me a new car and a new house. That's that's not uh you you can't pray that in the Christian sense boldly because there's no faith, there's no promise. Um faith there is a is a made up thing in terms of uh what i want when we're praying for god's will to be done we don't need to wonder about it because we have it right here this is what god wills and and we have it in the scriptures god desires all people to be saved um god does not desire the death of a sinner um god's will uh is that the works of the devil be crushed and that jesus by his crucifixion and resurrection and ascension uh be the head of the church and overcome and and, and all things be uh, united in him. I mean, the will of God is clear in terms of that
0: and uh, uh, his revealed will, so to speak. As we look at this, I want to, because I'm a very simple person. Pastor Winterstein knows this about me, is that I'm a very simple person. And so as we're thinking about how we pray, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the Martin Chemnitz um, to pray for patience that that there are things that we're able to pray for and I, I love how you said it and I want you to say it again that that we pray knowing the promise. like we pray connected to what he has promised. So we are able to pray, Lord give me patience knowing that he has promised that he will give it. Um, that okay, I can pray that he will, grant that or pray for salvation because it has been won. Is there a, could you have other simple examples of a faithful prayer that is connected to the promise? And actually, can you repeat what you said? Cause I didn't write it down fully. It, it, prayers uh, are connected to the promise or how would you say that?
1: Yeah, I think it, I think Christian prayers because Paul says everything that's not from, from faith is sin. So I think, I think Christian prayer, uh, has to be something that's attached to a promise of God. Um, otherwise, where where is the faith? It, it seems to me it's a speculative thing or a, an Im, almost imaginary thing. It's what we it's what we come up with in our own minds that we would like to happen. But Christian prayer, because it's f- in faith, it has to be attached to a promise. And so I would say things like, uh, like my usual. My usual examples are like for healing, which we pray for all the time. We pray in in the prayer of the church. We pray at bedsides. We pray for our family, for our friends. We pray for healing. We should pray that with the utmost confidence and boldness. I, I don't even think sometimes, this is the other thing with the will of God. Sometimes we weasel out of it by saying things like, please heal this person if it's your will. I don't think that that's not actually correct because it is God's will that the person be healed. We know it. Jesus does it. Uh, He promises it in the resurrection that there will be healing. So when we pray, now, of course, we are praying for God's will to be done. So it's not like it's wrong to say that. But sometimes, at least in our minds, when we say, but thy will be done, we're almost taking back with one hand what we just prayed with the other. And, uh, And we shouldn't because it is God's will that that person be healed. Uh, And so when we pray for someone to be healed, pray boldly, God, heal this person. Now, he may do it temporarily in this life, or he may not, but he will heal the bodies and souls of Christians completely. Um, When we pray for things to be made right in the world for, for peace, when we pray for peace, I mean, I think that's what, you know, where is the, their peace on earth that was promised in, when Jesus appeared on the, in the world? Well, it's in him. Uh, that's where the peace is. And so when we pray for peace, uh, there's no need to hedge our bets with that. God, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Uh, God is a God of peace. And so even though we don't always see uh, external peace in the world right now, we do see wars end we do see violence end we do see conflicts end but then there's always another one so but when we pray for peace we're praying that finally the 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 peace of of eternity and the resurrection and the new creation that that will come that there will no no longer be any threats i mean that's what that's what the uh the people of israel are promised uh, uh, when when they get to the land what what is what is the promise there it's that they will have no they will have peace all around, that they won't have any more enemies. Um, and that's what's that's what we're praying for. Uh, no more enemies, no more devil, uh, no more sin, uh, no more unbelief, only the pure peace that uh, surpasses our understanding in Christ. And so, so when we pray for those things, uh, we shouldn't pray as if God may or may not do it. We know he's going to do it. We just don't know if for now the temporary answer to the prayer is
0: going to be done. We do know he's going to do it eternally. And there's, there's a, uh, I heard a pastor once speak of it this way. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on it is that we can see the will of God happen in the world when, uh, because we know that what God's doing, I guess you'd say behind the scenes, I don't know how to say it exactly. He breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. That, That we aren't able to necessarily see that, but we are able to see it in this way, that when somebody, like you mentioned before, confesses the creed, boom, God's will is done. When someone prays the Lord's prayer, boom, God's will. worship. Study of God's word, following God's word, when a, when a, you know, when a father loves his children, when a, when a husband and wife are getting married, when, when someone confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, the will of God is done. And, and that is we, we too often want to see the numbers of people doing that as opposed to actually saying, thanks be to God, his will is done, whether it was one or a thousand people doing it. That for me was a huge comfort as I was looking at it because I'm so used to in our culture, well, I wonder where God's will is for this and do it you, you just you just look at your own navel, you know, your navel gazing the whole time as opposed to actually seeing what is actually happening, pastor. Any any thoughts on that and and how God is at work in our world?
1: I mean, I think everything in this age is passing away. And that means that means both uh I think I, I think I preached this. Certain- I don't know, a few weeks ago, this too shall pass. And now we use that to comfort people, but in this Mm. age, and which is true, uh, but in this age also, even the things that we think are good are passing away. Uh, So everything, everything in this world is temporary uh, and in some sense ambiguous, even though, because we can't, we can't see sort of the, um, the left hand working of God, maybe in terms of the, of the government or, uh, nations, or we we don't see that clearly. I, I I'm always a little nervous when people are saying, "Well, what's happening in this country? That's clearly uh, God's activity." But what's happening in another country is not that. That makes mm-hmm. me nervous because we never see clearly what God is doing in terms of raising up and putting down governments, uh, even though that's God doing it. Uh, we don't always see that clearly. And and the same thing is true of just kind of more on a more individual level or uh, even a smaller corporate level. We don't see that clearly. And so um, we can give that. We definitely give thanks when we see people carrying out their vocations, uh, when we see people do the right thing uh, according to God's word. Um, and we pray for that. I mean, I pray every day for the, the governing authorities to do God's will, because God's put them there, uh, and not their own will or the will of some other special interest. Um, and so we pray for that, and God does it, uh, but we don't always see it clearly. It's always a little, you know. Even people governing authorities, we say, "Yeah, that that person is doing generally what God wants." There's always something that's like, "But that's not right," um, and so it's always ambiguous. But the day is coming when it's going to come clear, and then we're going to see fully uh, what God has accomplished and we know what's coming because the scriptures tell us. Um, But yeah, I don't, I um, I don't know if that, if that gets to your point, but I, I think there's something that we should kind of always reserve a little bit of, of our judgment when we see things happening in the world and not reserve our judgment at all about what's going to happen. If that makes sense.
0: Uh, Yes, I very much so. And, and it's, it's something that, often we will see this as pastors when we receive a call okay and so we're, so the question will naturally arise to us mm-hmm. what is god's will right. is god's will for me to be at this church or that church yeah. or washington or minnesota or you know, overseas or whatever it might be and although we we will pray will god's will be done among us also What would be your encouragement as a pastor maybe receives a call or the congregation, their pastor receives a call or a a congregation is calling a pastor in light of God's will and how we should speak and and, uh, look to the Lord in those situations?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think we can do better in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod on our theology of thinking about these things, because um, I, I hear occasionally I hear talk about like how a pastor fits. Now I don't think it's wrong to use our reason to have interviews to do those kinds of things. I don't think that's inherently wrong, um, but if we think that we can control God by saying, "Well, clearly this person would fit in this congregation, or this person would not fit in this congregation," I think that could be dangerous. Because what if the pastor is called there, which we still we 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 claim this is a divine call, this is God's God's calling, uh, and then we say, well, that didn't work out. Well, maybe, maybe to our reason it didn't work out, but maybe that's exactly what God wanted, uh, either for the pastor or for the congregation, probably both. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's one side of it. The other side is of course, like pastors thinking about what's God's will or the congregation thinking about it. And, uh, and I would say it's similar to trying to decide what university to go to, uh, or, you know, at certain times, God, prevents us by means like, for example, if you apply to a university and you don't get in, I mean, you can't just go there. You can't say, well, it was God's will for me to go there. So I'm going there anyway. Um, If you don't, Mm -hmm. if you don't get accepted that you can't go there. Um, If uh, you propose to someone and they say, no, I mean, you can't like sort of, well, this is, and I wouldn't in fact say, well, this is God's (laughs) will. You have to marry me or something like that. Um, So similarly, I think there are things that prevent, you know, sort of practical concerns. I don't think God's above that uh, using those sorts of things to keep. I mean, Paul says this at certain times, the Holy spirit prevented me from going there. I mean, and he's not very, he's not very uh, clear on what that actually looks like, but I would suspect it's something like uh, they're, they're just, he didn't have, he couldn't, he he didn't have the the way or something happened kind of in a. And in what we would tend to divide out into a non-spiritual way, something kept him from doing it in a in a you know an actual physical way, and I, I think that there, God does that. There are ways that he he we we can't do it because of the, our families, our first vocations. We can't do it because of this or that. I think God does that. Uh, other times, maybe it's both. Maybe both of them are open. Maybe you got two jobs or two universities or two calls and they both, you know, there's nothing, you know, that says one way or the other, particularly that, that this is, shouldn't do this, or there's no, nothing, no obstacles or no, and it's just like, here's two choices. And, and I would say in that case, you just choose and trust that God is going to do his will. Here's where the comfort of that comes in. God's going to do His will, whichever one I choose, because there's nothing sinful going on here. There's no, um, you know, I'm not uh, uh, doing something that is contrary to the Word of God, for example, Um, and so I'll I'll choose, and God's going to do His will, and it'll be good.
0: One of the examples that I've heard, and this is good for you, our listeners to be able to break this down into practical level. And because this one's very important because I think our culture and the church has not been really great at being able to say, okay, what is God's will? Because we get caught up in his unrevealed will, you know, we don't know. And then we try to guess and nobody really knows. And then everything goes, goes down. And for example, how do I know who I was supposed to marry? Well, the gal that I married, (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty that simple is yeah, that yeah. we made that commitment that is my bride and until death do us part that is yeah. who i was supposed to marry the, the questions about whether or not she was the one are completely over and it's the same for her to me yeah um now if someone were to say i think it's god's will that i leave my wife or that i leave my husband now there might be some asterisks on this but more or less that that's you know what it you can ask the question, how do I know if that's God's will or not? Well, it's very simple. Look at Scripture. Does Scripture say you can leave your spouse because you're just not very happy with their bad breath or something? Or or they're not making you happy anymore, or they don't have enough money or whatever it might be. Well, you might do that, but you cannot try to put God on the hook for that one. Right. Because you can't say, oh yeah, God wants me to do this. Like, no, no, no. Wait a second here. Where does that say in Scripture? Pastor, do you have other kind of just basic things. You said it so well with the call process and because there's a lot of freedom there because you can serve in Minnesota or Washington. Of course, I want to tell people now as district president that of course it's God's will for everyone to serve in Minnesota North because <laughs> it's, it's a place that you're supposed to serve, but that's not how we can do it. But other examples you have, we have about three minutes left in our time. Other ways you want to make this even more practical for our listeners?
1: Yeah. I mean, what you said about marriage, I, I think it was uh, Dr uh Chuck arend one time at a symposia, said something very similar. He said something like um he does- he doesn't believe that like there's there's necessarily uh, only one person that you might possibly marry uh but once you're married there's only one person that you you can be married to right um that that mm-hmm. you know what the will of God is and and marriage I think in some ways is is different we We should be realistic about marriage that that this is we're going to find out things and grow. And so that's where the vows are so important because you have to, you have to say, no matter what, I, I'm making this, this vow, this, uh, um, that, that I'm, I'm married to you. Um, you know, I think, I think in terms of jobs, I think a lot of these things come down to decision making in terms of our vocation. So for example, as a pastor, uh, my I was married before I had children, and I was a father before I was a pastor, um, and uh, so and anything else I choose to do is after that. So we we kind of have these circles of vocation going out. What, and I, and the way that I think about it is what what is the thing if I have am I, if I'm faced with a choice between different aspects of my vocation, what is the thing that only I can do? Uh, other people could be a pastor you know other other men could fill the vestments that that's not that doesn't rely on me but I'm the only husband my wife has and I'm the only father that my children have and so when it comes to a division between those things choices are based on kind of those things where where is the only what's the role that only I God has given me to fulfill and so mm. um, so I think that that's the way it works you know choosing a job what is best for my vocation as And if you're single, you have lots of room, I think. I mean, if you, if you, and Paul kind of points to that, you, you have lots of room to serve your neighbor and love God within the midst of your vocation that you wouldn't have if you're married and have children. And that's a, that's a gift too. Um, If you have a family, that's a gift, but you're going to have to make different choices based on your vocation. You know, don't, don't go off and do something that's not going to, you're not going to be able to fulfill that vocation to your family. Um, don't work 80 hours a week. If you have a family, it's just, those are things that, that you have to choose based on your vocations. And, uh, so I don't know, I I would maybe put it in those terms. Um, what, what's the role I have to fulfill because this is where God has put me. And then after that kind of go from there.
0: Pastor with a minute left in our time, how would you summarize this great petition and encourage our listeners in Christ?
1: I would say rejoice in the will of God that he has brought his kingdom to you, uh, that he is working actively, constantly to hinder the the devil in the world and our own sinful flesh, that in Christ he has fulfilled his will for you and that you can trust that promise and therefore you're free to do the works that God has laid out before you according to your skills and talents and vocation.
0: Pastor Timothy Winterstein of Faith Lutheran Church in each Wenatchee, Was, uh, Washington, excuse me, clearly <laughs> confessing the truth of God's will. Pastor Winterstein, thank you for your faithful teaching with us on Concord Matters. Thanks for having me. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.